Welcome to Driving Forces, where we focus on the big issues in city, state, and national politics that matter to you. I'm your host, Jeff Simmons. Welcome back to WBAI. Thank you for tuning in this afternoon. Lots of news going on across the world and here in New York and in Washington, D.C. If you hadn't read about this or been watching TV, I don't know if you were aware that our governor, uh, Cuomo was in Washington, D.C. for an afternoon meeting today, and I just checked, and there's no reports out of that meeting so far to meet with Donald Trump uh, about Trump's ban on New Yorkers uh, from taking part in the Trusted Traveler program, which speeds up the process of uh, citizens returning to the U.S. from abroad. Trump, had, uh, or rather Cuomo, had come up with what uh, could be a good solution uh, here and was destined to meet with him. But if you were not familiar with this, prior to even this meeting taking place, Trump already tweeted about Cuomo's brother Chris by saying, but don't bring Fredo. I don't know if you remember that, uh, what had taken place, that video in which a uh, bar patron or restaurant patron at one point had called Chris Cuomo Fredo and that uh, caused a blow up when that video went viral. So no news yet on what exactly uh, took place in that meeting. But uh, what's interesting here is there's a piece in Politico about Trump being accused of another quid pro quo, this time with New York over this whole program here because of what the president had been tweeting about in, in advance of this meeting with Andrew Cuomo today, essentially saying that New, New York has to stop all of its unnecessary lawsuits and harassment and start cleaning itself up and lowering taxes, basically suggesting uh, in this media account on Politico of a, a quid pro quo. So what else is going on? Fallout from the New Hampshire primaries continues as people People uh, begin to focus more heavily on Nevada. Those caucuses come up next, and uh, the early voting in their caucuses uh, begins next uh, Saturday before the February 22nd contest. And Bernie Sanders is heading into this after significant momentum, but so do uh, Pete Buttigieg as well, given the results in Iowa and uh, in New Hampshire also heads in there with significant momentum, and as well as Amy Klobuchar. Coronavirus. I want to get to this now. Because this is interesting. I was at a news conference today in Flushing at a restaurant. And as this global crisis continues, we do have to remember that here in New York City, New York State, there haven't been any confirmed cases of folks who were tested that came up negative. However, there's been a significant impact on business. And at the establishment I was at right off of Main Street, I don't know if you know downtown Flushing, but at it, it, this mall, uh, there is a giant uh, catering hall upstairs on the third floor, right next to the Macy's, if you know that area. And the CEO of this catering hall was telling me how they've had a thousand cancellations in February. Now remember, it's the, it was a lunar, it is the lunar new year. And this is their most popular time of the year as far as their catering business. And she told me that it's also spilling over into March. She's now witnessing continued cancellations worldwide. If you're not familiar with the uh, the numbers, the numbers dramatically increased with coronavirus, saying that now about 60,000 people worldwide are affected. It was a, there was a one day jump. Uh, of close to 15,000 new cases reported, but this goes back to recalibrating earlier ones uh, and cl more clearly defining what cases now represent coronavirus. That's largely responsible for this, but that was nine times the number of cases reported a day earlier. Again, no new cases here, no cases here in New York City. The reason, by the way, that I was in Flushing was Mayor Bill de Blasio, uh, New York City Council Member Peter Ku, New York City Council Speaker Corey Johnson, a number of business leaders had gathered together in this catering hall to have lunch and to let people know you need to not overreact. You need to continue to go about your business and to continue uh, visiting Flushing. Yesterday, a similar press conference was held. An event was held in Chinatown in Manhattan, uh, where they uh, elected officials encouraged people to please continue patronizing the businesses here. Additionally, the other news on the presidential trail, another hit on Mayor Bloomberg's campaign this week. Uh, it's all 
coming out. Previous remarks that he's made. First, it was stop and frisk comments. Now, there's another audio uh, or comments that he made in 2008 where he basically suggested the end of redlining, and that's where banks discriminated against people of color trying to borrow money to be able to buy homes. Well, that was responsible for causing the housing crisis and the collapse. This, according to an Associated Press report that just broke this afternoon. This comes after his 2015 remarks that he made about stop and frisk that surfaced from, uh, I believe it was a radio interview earlier this week. So we have a lot to talk about today. Uh, I'm excited that in a few minutes we're going to have a great guest. Uh, New York City Council Member Brad Lander is going to call in. I've wanted him on uh, for a while, and it's great because this week uh, a piece of legislation that he spearheaded was signed into law by Mayor Bill de Blasio. We'll talk about that as well as a hearing that he participated in this afternoon. And following him, we're having the former New York City public advocate, Betsy Gottbaum, call in. She's going to talk to us a little about why tomorrow is there's other than it being Valentine's Day. Uh, Reggie, I hope I reminded this reminds you if you have to get someone something for Valentine's Day. Uh, but it's, there's also there's, it's a reason that tomorrow is an important date as well. And Betsy's going to tell us a little about that and, and also talk about voting reforms. And then we're going to take your calls uh, during the second half of the show. And that number to call would be 212-209-2877. And I hope that during that time, you can also weigh in on what you felt about the your reaction to the results in New Hampshire, but also what our guests are talking about today. Uh, I thank you for tuning in. Uh, you know our value. I know WBAI's value, and I and I appreciate our loyal listeners, the people who tune in not just to hear this show, but tune in to hear Paul DiRienzo's news, that want to hear John Kane, that want to hear Marisol on weekends, who I thoroughly enjoy listening to every Sunday afternoon. You tune in because you want non-commercial, non-corporate, progressive community radio. That's what why I love WBAI, and I hope that if you're listening, that's why you love WBAI. It's an important fixture in your life, and hopefully it has been for many of the 60 years that we've been here on the radio. We're, um, I want to thank you again for tuning in today. I mean, again, we've been on the air for six decades now, and if, and if BAI has meant something to you, then – just take a moment and think about how many hours a day, a week, a year you listen to this station. And remember that in other stations, you're kind of maybe taking a break because there are too many commercials or you're hearing too many corporate, you know, ads. You're not hearing that here on WBAI. And that's because you sustain us. You sustain our programming and keep this diversity of programming on the air. So if you have a moment, I would love for you to become what's known as a BAI buddy. I am a BAI buddy where I give a sustaining contribution, gets right on my credit card of five, ten, or twenty dollars a month. I'm hoping I could get, say, three BAI buddies during this show. And it does not take long to do this. And one of the easiest ways is just by calling our pledge number. 516-620-3602. Again, that number is 516-620-3602. You can also just go online at give2, that is the number two, give2wbai.org. Again, that's give2wbai.org. And there's also one other simple way. Just text WBAI to the number 41444. You want to become a BAI buddy? It would be fantastic. You would show your support and that support on a sustaining level of 10 or $20, even 15, put it in the middle. Uh, by becoming a BAI buddy, you uh, will keep us on the air and you'll keep this diversity of programming. So I want to get to our first guest and I want to ask you a question. Think about, especially if you're listening to me in the car right now, Think about how you're driving. If you're listening and, well, you accidentally go through a red light in New York, think about whether this is your first offense. In fact, if you regularly have driven through red lights, this is something you need to really consider because there's a new piece of legislation uh, that just was signed this week. And that's why I've invited our first guest on. This is Brad Lander, the New York City Council member who represents the 39th District in Brooklyn. He serves as the council's deputy leader for policy, and he co-founded the council's Progressive Caucus, helped bringing uh, participation participatory budgeting to the city, and he's also led the way towards a more just, equitable, and sustainable city. Councilman Lander, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Jeff. Great to be here with you. Thanks for the invitation. So I didn't want to talk 
uh, much about specifics because I'd let I'd like you to do that. Talk about what's known as the Dangerous Driver Accountability Program. Also, I've heard it referred to as the Reckless Driver Accountability Act. What it does and what you know and who it's going to impact. Yeah. So let me start from kind of how we got here two years ago next month on March 5th, 2018, um, right downstairs from my office at the intersection of Fifth Avenue and Ninth Street in Park Slope, um, a reckless driver with a history of running red lights and speeding blew through the intersection and killed uh, a four-year-old girl and a one-year-old boy and hit the, the girl's pregnant mom as well who lost her baby and just that like just punched our whole community in the gut. Um, and in the time since then, we've lost 400 more New Yorkers to traffic crashes. And we've done a lot of things to work hard to make our streets safer. And, and we've brought the numbers down somewhat through reducing the speed limit, through uh, re-engineering roadways and intersections, through putting speed cameras up. But one thing that crash showed we have not yet focused on is the harm caused by the very most reckless drivers. Most people, if they get one speed camera violation or one red light camera, they don't want to do that again. And so they slow down. They just make sure to be driving safer. But a pretty small number of people just drive their cars like weapons aimed at their neighbors. And, and you see them out there, you know, I mean, like everybody, whether you're a driver or a pedestrian or a cyclist, you see those maniac drivers and, and you think that guy's going to kill somebody. And in this case, you know, uh, that person did. And so we vowed to the families of those, of those kids and in general that we were going to figure out some way to focus our energy on the most reckless drivers in the city and intervene with them before they injure or kill. And the way that we're able to do that is with the speed and the red light cameras. And so the new bill, which, yes, it was originally called the Reckless Driver Accountability Act, but for legal reasons I'll, I'll probably get to in a minute, we're now calling it the <laughs> Dangerous Vehicle Abatement Program. Uh, it will capture, it'll cover about the 5,000 most reckless vehicles in the city. Those are vehicles that have, in a single 12-month period, in a year, either been, you know, been caught on camera running five red lights or have 15 school speed zone camera violations. So these are really reckless vehicles. And we'll say to the owners of those vehicles, um, you have to stop operating your vehicle like a weapon aimed at your neighbors. You have to come and take a driver accountability program uh, that's been proven, that's been operating for about five years now at the Red Hook Community Justice Center and a few other places around the city been proven to have about a 40% reckless driving recidivism reduction. Um, and if you do that and, you know, start driving more safely, okay. But if you don't do that, if you don't come take the course, if you try to blow off this thing, you don't change your behavior, then we're going to have to boot and then impound your car um, because we just can't have you operating in that way that we, we know is very likely to lead to somebody getting injured or killed. Um, it's first of its kind legislation in the country, and we we think it really will have a big impact in in addressing the you know the piece of the puzzle of making our streets safe that is focusing on those very most reckless drivers. And, and you noted the name change to Dangerous Vehicle Abatement Program. Why did that have to change? <laughs> Yeah. So, you know, it's important to recognize here what the uh, the program in so many ways is built on the presence of those cameras. Before the cameras existed, it was pretty hard to know who the most reckless drivers were. You might see them, you know, zip by you. But until they were in a crash that injured or killed someone, they wouldn't have necessarily been captured. We don't have that many, you know, officers out there writing tickets or, you know, red light violations. Uh, so the cameras, because they're now, you know, throughout the city, enable us to know which vehicles are the most reckless. But the cameras capture the license plate. That's what they take a picture of. So we don't know for sure who was driving the vehicle at the time. So this won't be points against your license. This is, you know, what the... What What's the, you know, the thing that's, you know, we, we are saying is become a nuisance, a, a public safety problem is the vehicle. And so you, the owner, uh, by allowing your vehicle to be operated in this reckless way, uh, you are going to hold you accountable. And if you were the driver, you can come take the course. Now, you'll have the opportunity if you want to go to oath and say, I was not the driver, I was being driven by my, my son or my brother. Um, and you can substitute them as long as they come take the course. 
if it's a fleet vehicle, then either the company can provide the driver who is primarily responsible for that vehicle, or maybe a manager from the fleet driving program can come in, and that's somebody who needs to make sure that ever, all drivers in that fleet are driving more safely. So because it's the vehicle that's being captured and because it's the owner of the vehicle uh, who therefore is being held accountable, uh, you know, we, we've changed it to be the dangerous vehicle abatement program. The idea here is that the program is trying to abate, to, to reduce the danger caused to New Yorkers by the dangerous and reckless way that that vehicle is being operated. And uh, the measure that was signed this week is different than its original version. So what was left on the table that possibly yep. would lead to future amendments or ne or next steps? Yeah. So, you know, for starters, this is really first of its kind program. Um, there's nothing really that we can find like it around the country. Um, so we want to really make sure it works. We want to demonstrate that the class actually works to change people's behavior. It has on a smaller scale, but as we scale it up, um, and we want to be able to prove that we are therefore really changing behavior, reducing crashes, saving lives, and preventing injuries. So to run the program well, you know, when we started, we were imagining it covering maybe the 20,000 most reckless uh, vehicles. We agreed to start covering the 5,000 most reckless. Um, so after we show that it works, maybe we'll be able to expand it even larger. But that's a really good place to start. Part of what's key here is having those small classes. You know, if you just have somebody like sitting at a computer or kind of clicking the space bar, it's definitely not going to have the chance to help people make the connections they've been missing between their reckless driving behavior and real risk of injury or harm. In the class, you, you hear from people that have lost loved ones to traffic crashes, and you do these interactive exercises that get you to reflect on, on your behavior and start to make that connection. So we're starting a little smaller, um, and we're also operating it as a three-year pilot program, again, to learn, to evaluate, and then reauthorize at the end of that time, making adjustments, you know, and hopefully expanding the program. You're listening to WBAI's Driving Forces. I'm your host, Jeff Simmons. I'm speaking with New York City Council Member Brad Lander. Uh, Council Member Lander, you've had a very busy legislative <laughs> week. Uh, I, I wish I had the whole show with you, but so yeah. there, uh, I want to first ask, before we get to what took place today, you had another measure discussed this week, the Capital Projects Bill, uh, an effort to improve transparency. Can you talk a little about that? Yeah, for sure. And this one, you know, I think most New Yorkers, if you pay, if you vote in participatory budgeting or if you kind of pay attention to your corner park, you, you start to see city projects that are like, how long has that been going on and when's it supposed to be finished? And, um, and when I came into office, I thought surely we'll be able to just communicate to everyone. We brought participatory budgeting here, as you said, so thousands of people have voted for projects. And they want to know how they're going, but there's no place that you can go online and see all the city's capital projects and know, you know, are they on time? When are they slated to be for? What is that project? Um, is it on budget? And what that means is not only that there's not transparency to an individual New Yorker in, in his or her neighborhood, but that you can't be managing our capital projects in a big picture way that helps you figure out what's working and what's not working, because if you don't have one database that tracks a contractor across Department of Transportation and Department of Environmental Protection and the School Construction Authority, hard to hold them accountable. Or if prices are skyrocketing on you know, new bathrooms, you want to be able to compare across all those projects. But we don't have anything like that. So this capital projects tracker bill will require the city to create um, a comprehensive database online for all the city's capital projects. And um, the de Blasio administration has agreed to, to do it and has started taking steps in that direction. And, you know, it's a good tool for transparency, for accountability, and for, um, you know, getting our money and our time's worth at a time when, look, between the climate crisis, changing what the city needs in terms of resiliency infrastructure, with the infrastructure aging, as we see in bridges and sewer mains, um, we really have to step up our game on capital projects management if we want to preserve and hand this off. Off, uh, hand off the city to our kids in a sustainable and equitable way. 
And I happened to be looking at Twitter today where I saw it looked like you had a full house for a hearing today at the Committee on Civil Service and Labor uh, concerning two pieces of groundbreaking legislation that were sponsored by you and uh, your fellow council member, Adrian Adams, uh, concerning fast food employers uh, and workers. Can you talk about those measures and what the next steps are with them? Yeah. So fast food workers, like almost all non-union employees, uh, are currently considered at-will employees. And that means that their managers, their employers, can fire them without any notice, without any reason, without any warning. Um, And unfortunately, we have learned from talking to a lot of fast food workers that that is too common in the fast food sector, that people, you know, there was one survey of more than 500 fast food workers, um, and 65% of the workers who had been uh, terminated, who had lost their jobs, did not get a reason for it. Um, And obviously, that's just basically unfair. I mean, any decent place of employment, you get a warning, you get some notice, you get a reason Um, It also puts you in a really vulnerable position because so much harder to complain about sexual harassment or an abusive customer if you know that, you know, you can be fired on a whim. So this legislation would make fast food workers in New York City, some of the first workers in the United States, um, covered by what's called just cause uh, protections. This is actually standard in Europe and most other parts of the world. It's pretty simple. It just means an employer has to have a good reason to fire someone and has to have a process for making clear, you know, what the rules and standards of the workplace are. And, you know, you you get explained if you don't follow them. You know, if you're tardy, you get, you know, first a verbal notice and then you get written up or, you know, you get feedback. Um, So it's pretty common sense, but the lack of it leaves folks in just such a harder spot in terms of organizing with other workers. So just being stable in their lives. Um, And this is part of what began with the fight for 15, when fast food workers found the courage to organize, to go out on strike, you know, to rally in the streets. And as a result of that, they have passed a few different pieces of legislation with us in the city council. And this is a really exciting next step in turning what were precarious low-wage jobs into more stable and dignified ones. So uh, speaking of next steps and the final minutes that we have left here, I do want to ask you uh, about your next steps, uh, your term limited out. What happens next for you? Great. I am planning to run for New York City Comptroller, uh, which is one of the three citywide positions that we have, Mayor, Public Advocate, and and Controller. And people mostly think about that as the chief uh, fiscal officer for the city, and and that's true. It is to, you know, make sure we're telling the truth about our books and bringing in more than we spend and setting enough aside for a rainy day. But it's also the city's chief accountability officer, making sure that we're living up to our values and that the way government is operating is achieving the goals that we set. So you can do performance audits to make sure that agencies are delivering on the on the, uh, the services they're supposed to be providing. You can do equity audits to make sure that the services are being provided in a really fair and equal way. There's a lot of work to do around sustainability and resilience to make sure our city is on path toward long-term goals that we can lose track of. Uh, You help manage the city's pension funds uh, to deliver retirement security to public sector workers. That means $200 billion to invest in ways that are consistent with our values while they deliver that retirement security. So it's a great job, one I'm really excited about, and I'm looking very forward to running for it. And and I will say, I uh, I have not had this discussion with you, but I had worked there for eight years uh, with Bill Thompson, press secretary, communications director. And one of the frequent calls I would get from the media would be, uh, asking whether we were going to divest from certain things. Yep. Uh, and so is that is that something that's crossed your radar already, things that you're going to be looking at as far as where we're investing our pension funds? Absolutely. I mean, I think it's a holistic picture how the pension funds are invested. There are some things that, you know, we don't want our money in at all, like private prisons and handguns, and we're in the process of divesting or starting to divest from fossil fuels. Um, then, of course, there's where should we be investing? We want to help drive markets in renewable energy and affordable housing and clean tech. Um, and then, 
in you know you you own uh, kind of you know half or one percent of stock in an enormous number of corporations, and there's an opportunity to team up with other investors to try to push those actors in a better direction as well. Right now, there's a big campaign to get J.P. Morgan Chase to change its policies around climate. Uh, investors are taking a big role in pushing that or. I met somebody recently who's trying to get IBM to hire more people that are formerly incarcerated, so shareholders have an opportunity to be part of that conversation. So in what we divest, in what we uh, actively seek to invest in, and in how we work together with other shareholders, we can deliver retirement security to our teachers and nurses and firefighters while also advancing the goals we all share for an equal and, and long-term sustainable city. So, council members. How can people learn more about your work? I mean, both there's the government work and then there's the campaign work. I'm not sure if you have a campaign website yet. Yeah. So uh, they can, on the campaign side, look at Lander for NYC, L-A-N-D-E-R-F-O-R-N-Y-C.com. Um, it doesn't yet have, you know, tons of, you know, policy platforms, though I promise it will. Uh, but you can find out uh, a bit more about me and some of how I think about the controller's office. Um, and then the city council website, council.nyc.gov, has has my council webpage. And, for example, one thing that's up there is a capital projects tracker that I uh, we built in my office for the projects that my, my office has funded. So we wanted to model the kind of transparency that we're pushing the city to provide in this capital projects tracking system. Councilman Brad Lander, thank you so much for calling in today, and I'd love to have you back sometime, maybe in studio, to take listener calls. That would be fantastic. That sounds great. I'd love to do it. Thanks again. Have a great day. Thanks, Jeff. So I want to remind our listeners, uh, before we get to our next uh, caller, uh, that we are in – I know I keep pitching this, but I really believe in this station – We are in our uh, winter fun drive right now. And for those who've been listening to this show, I've been on this show for – Oh, it's over a year now. I can't even remember. Things go so fast, Reggie. Uh, but I've been with the station now nearing for two years because uh, I had started with City Watch, which is now on Sundays at 6 o'clock. And like many of the people that you hear on WBAI, we're volunteers. I volunteer my time because I believe in the station and I want it to succeed. And that's why when Pacifica took us off our local programming off the air for a while, it was, it was really uh, – uh, demoralizing and, and, and horrible because it was also right when we had started our fundraising drive. So we lost a significant amount of revenue. We were doing extremely well in the days preceding that uh, disruption of service. And so we lost an opportunity to keep a lot of the programming running. But then we, you know, we came back uh, about a month later. We're now uh, amidst our winter fund drive. And so what we're trying to do is to get our friends and family and coworkers and, and listeners like you to become a BAI buddy. And it's really easy to do. If you think about how much you might, you know, want to give to an organization, some people like to just cut a check, like to just do it in one, uh, you know, $100 or $200 check. But what we, by being a BAI buddy, what you really do is it just goes right onto your credit card, a charge of 10 or $20 or $15 a month. You could even do more. And that helps us in a very uh, sustaining way. And that's kind of what I do. I've been doing this for some time now. And what you do get, you do get discounts when you check our website at WBAI.org. You'll see that. But you you also get, and I always love talking about this, you get the WBAI tote bag, which I'll be taking with me on vacation this weekend. Uh, and you're going to need as soon as you, uh, if you don't want to pay that nickel tax that's going to be affixed to every paper bag when, when the plastic ban takes effect early in March, which is going to be a future topic on one of my shows. And so you get the wonderful BAI tote bag, but it's not just about saving you money. It's also about showing your pride in this station and the people who bring you this diverse array of programming. So if you get a chance, just take a few minutes. You can go online and become a BAI buddy. Go to give to, that's the number two, WBAI.org. You can also pledge at 516 620 3602 again that number is 516 620 
800-848-3602. So you're listening to WBAI's Driving Forces. I'm your host, Jeff Simmons. We were just speaking uh, with New York City Council member Brad Lander. And by the way, if you uh, cannot listen to us in the car or don't have a radio at home, we're also live streaming. You can listen to us online at WBAI.org. We stream on there as well. That's often how I listen when I'm on vacation. So we're going to get to the next guest. Uh, a friend of mine who I just adore, so I'm a little biased here, Betsy Gottbaum, Executive Director of the Good Government Group Citizens Union. You may know her from when she uh, she's a long, storied history in New York City government. She served two terms as the New York City Public Advocate, only the third woman elected to a citywide post in the city's history. And for the past four decades, she's had a distinguished career in New York City's public and private sectors. And she joins me today to talk about something you may not know about, a deadline that is, well, I'll say fast approaching. Betsy Gottbaum, welcome back to WBAI. Well, well first of all, Jeff, um, hello, and I'm going to be your, your first, at least that I've heard today, contributor to be a, a WBAI buddy. Thank you so much, Betsy. That means a lot. Thank you. No, no, no. Of course, I would be glad to do it, and, and it's much easier for me to send a check than do it online. People who know me know that I'm a complete techno idiot, but that's okay, because <laughs> then I don't shop so much online. Second thing is, Jeff, who was the second one? I think I'm the second citywide oh, elected. Now, I, I'm stumped. Reggie, do you know? It, oh. I have from the bio that she's only the third woman elected to a citywide post in the city's yeah, history. Liz so- Holtzman was the first. Carol Bellamy, no, she was only she was just a city councilwoman. She was president of the city council. I'm, I think I'm the second. Uh, I've got to fix your bio. <laughs> Ooh, this my from my bio. Whoops, my bad. So, so, um, thank you for the gift. I'm going to call it a Valentine's Day gift. However, absolutely with a big red heart. So. That's my segue into why I wanted to have you on the show because of a specific social media campaign that you have launched around Valentine's Day. Can you just tell our listeners what you are doing right now and why it's important to hear this? Well, it's very important to to understand that today is the uh, last day that that people can register online. Um, It's very important to know this, that, that they can change their voter registration on party online today. Uh, and if they go to cu.org, love to vote, cu, cu.org slash love to vote, they can get all the links uh, that they need to check to, to uh, register to vote or to change their party. If they don't cha- do it online today, they're going to have to take their registration into the Board of Elections tomorrow. Um, and, and so I would urge everybody to, if, that, that, ha- that wants to change, either to register to vote in the presidential election, I should have said that, in April, uh, or to change their party registration, they should uh, log on to cu.org, and it's love to vote. It's our Valentine's Day uh, present to all of your listeners. And it's, this is not a partisan move. This is an, a, a visibility and awareness move. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Not, not partisan at all. Not at all. We're very, very, very apolitical in here. <laughs> and one of the and one of the important things that Citizens Union has done traditionally uh, has always been to advocate for specific voting reforms that you feel improve the process for folks. Can you talk a little about some of the reforms that Citizens Union has wanted to see and kind of where we stand with them now? Yeah. Um, first of all, Citizens Union has been very involved in lobbying over the years before I got here, uh, and uh, they lobbied to pass a bill to make it easier for people to vote, uh, thus the, the deadline that we're talking about today. If you want to change your party registration, you've got to do it online today. You just have to keep repeating that. But there were other uh, reforms that were uh, passed in Albany, early voting, which is a very important uh, issue. Um, and uh, in, in New York City, which is going to be very important in, in 2021, uh, rank choice voting. Um, and uh, there are just a whole lot of reforms that were passed in Albany uh, this last year that we are uh, overseeing and, and watching the implementation of which. And uh, hopefully it'll make it easier. The most important thing is to get people to vote, and thus we need to make it easier for people to vote. And also when it, com- when it comes to campaign finance reform, this is something that you have also 
uh, being concerned about? Are there specific campaign finance reforms you think can, you know, possibly could be enacted before the 2021 elections? Um, yeah, well, the campaign finance has been enacted. It's, it's now, it was done by a, a charter revision, and it's now an eight-to-one match. Um, when I ran for office, it was four-to-one match, which was an interesting on the first $175 that anybody gave you. Now it's gone to, there's, there, there's a cap on what you can raise, uh, and it's eight-to-one on the first $175. So those, that was another reform, that, but, but that's, that's going to happen in uh, 2021. That's going to be part of the 2021 campaign finance um, reform. Now, the campaign finance reform for the state um, is sort of not really done yet. There was a commission uh, that uh, put forth some proposals, and uh, we, we were a little bit concerned about the proposals um, because it, it, got, it got mired down in a whole issue about third-party running. So uh, we, we felt Citizens Union were not particularly happy about the recommendations of the state public campaign financing. The city campaign financing, we were in favor of, and they did a good job on that. But the state one is still in flux. So it's it's so interesting, Betsy, because I think of you know being involved in campaigns before and as we're getting close to, you know, I would think once we finish with the presidential election, all right. eyes are going to start focusing on uh, 2021, and it's expected there could be upwards of 500 candidates running for citywide and all the city council seats. You know, ha- what role would the citizen union play? Oh, well, thank you, Jeff. That's a wonderful question, because probably the biggest project uh, we have at Citizens Union Foundation will be what we're doing for the 2021 election when there will be as many as uh, could be as many as 500 people running for office. They're going to be uh, every citywide office is open um, and with the exception of public advocate. But that's that's going to be a little different um, because there was a special election this year. Uh, But there will be every uh, candidate. Everybody will be running for citywide election for the borough presidents will be There'll be new voting for the borough presidents. There will be 37 vacancies in the city council, so you'll have that many people, for sure, running for city council seats. Now, what's going to happen that's really different, that's going to make it a very interesting and, I believe, complicated, which is why Citizens Union is doing this project, which I will tell you about, uh, we have ranked choice voting, which is going to be a whole new system where you don't just vote for one person. You can vote for up to as many as five people. And there will be a system whereby if your first choice doesn't make it, your second choice might make it. But we have to learn how, and I in particular have to learn how, to explain it in all kinds of ways and forms to people in the city so that they understand it. Uh, It's going to be well done. It's going to be very complicated. But they've done it in some other states. We will show how it's worked there. They've done it in Maine um, and in San Francisco. Uh, and that's going to make things a different. The other difference that will be is there will be early voting. Uh, there will also be uh, eight-to-one match. Don't forget that. So lots of people will be able to run, um, and they will get some money or enough money or maybe not enough money to run for office. So 2021 is going to be a very complicated interesting, but probably the most important election that many of us will see for certainly a decade. And Citizens Union Foundation is doing a very big project to explain all of this, to do an analysis of the candidates. We will not be endorsing. We're just going to analyze the candidates, the positions for which they're running, and the facts about candidates, facts beyond just what you read on their websites or what you might read in the press or where you might hear things. We will do very factual, in-depth analyses of the candidates and the offices for which they run. So that's basically what's coming up, Jeff. And you just uh, brought up something. I just want to make sure I'm clear. In the past, you've you've not endorsed. You've just, is it that you've recommended or you've said preferred? uh, You just don't endorse. Oh, yeah, we haven't. Citizens oh, you Union have? Yes, yeah, Citizens Union has endorsed. Um, we have Citizens Union, which is our 501c4, which does endorse and does uh, does endorse and recommends. It sort of depends on, on what the election is. 
but we definitely have made endorsements. But this project that I'm doing, which we are looking for a name, boy, if anybody of your wonderful listeners could come up with a name, <laughs> we're calling it now Project 2021. I know it's very. I think you could do better. I, I know I know your listeners can do better. I don't know that I can. I've been racking my brains, um, but we would love a new name. Um, but it, it that project is going to be non. We're not going to endorse anybody. We're just going to give them out the straight facts, uh, non. You know, totally unbiased, nonpartisan. We're going to be. We're going to have a big website. We're going to do a lot of social media around this, um, and uh, we, we, we hope that all of your readers and all, readers, all of your listeners, excuse me, will, will uh, plug into our website and call me and call you and call everybody to find out what, what this project is. We're not quite ready yet, but, but we're getting there, uh, and I will be able to explain, hopefully graphically, and also uh, ranked choice voting. And it's interesting because if I'm correct, the press conference, and Reggie, please, I know you would have known about this, so correct me if I'm wrong. There was a press conference yesterday with a few of the mayoral candidates, Scott Stringer, Corey Johnson, Eric Adams, and I thought, I think it was on Ranked. Uh, yes, uh, right choice was. Yeah, that was correct. And that's where Eric, the Brooklyn Borough President, made a point of saying that he expected – this is kind of what eclipsed the whole thing. Uh, he expected the mayoral campaign is going to be a dirty campaign. When you hear I, things I, like that – I don't agree through? with that, Jeff. You know, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but yeah. let me say something. Um, I, I don't think so at all because if you're one of those candidates, you, you may not be number one, but you certainly might be number two, and you're going to want to get – uh, the voters from number one. So why would it be nasty and mean? You want to be as nice as you can to the other people that you're running against because you want their votes. You might not get number one, but you sure as heck could get number two. And those are all the things that we're going to be talking about. So we've just got about a minute or two left, and you know, I have a few other questions for you. Sure. Uh, uh, we're, uh, you know, right after the New Hampshire. Uh, uh, ca- uh, caucus this week. What's going through your mind as, as far as the candidates? Did you see any? Was anything surprising to you? Was this what you expected? Where do you think we go from here? Well, I'm uh, New Hampshire was a, as far as I, as I recall was a primary. Oh, as primary, opposed, you're right. Yeah, as opposed to Iowa, which was a caucus. And I think it's unfortunate that the first two are in states that really are very different from what. What is the Democratic Party? I mean, the Democratic Party is a, I think, a much more diverse party. Um, there are a lot more uh, minorities in our party, and and certainly the urban centers. Uh, I think both Iowa and New Hampshire are fairly white, uh, 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 rural places, and I'm not against them in any way, shape, or form. But they're very different, so I don't think they really represent the entire Democratic Party. So I'm concerned or I'm upset that so much hype is being given to these two, first point. Second point, um, you know, I, I don't, I guess there were no surprises, certainly in New Hampshire after Iowa. Uh, I, I found that the Iowa caucus was, made. I'll tell you what it made me do, really think that I've got to go spend some time with our Board of Elections here and make sure our machines or our whatever we're going to be using work, because uh, what happened there was it was not particularly, uh, was not good for the Democratic Party, to say the least. So that was upsetting. It's a very good point. Hopefully they're not using the same app uh, that Iowa used. No, and I think we will have, we will be able to have at least some input because, you know, we all know, we know the people who are doing, designing all this for the, for the Board of Elections in New York. And I think we plan, some of my other colleagues in the good government groups, we, we really do plan to talk to them about what they're going to do because we want to make sure ranked choice voting, again, is going to be complicated, and we got to make sure we got the right machine. And for listeners, as we close out, for listeners who might have tuned in a little late, I do want to bring it up once again. Can you just talk a little again about what tomorrow's, the importance of tomorrow's date? Tomorrow's date is, in addition to being Valentine's Day, and I send you oh, yes. all a huge <laughs> heart with a big kiss. Um, I hope that's not too bad to say on the radio. Um, but tomorrow, there was what it is, it's the last day that you could, today is the last day you can register to vote or to change your party um, online today. That was one of the new reforms that was passed in Albany. Um, and uh, I will give you, if, if you if you log on to citizensunion.org-love-to-vote, 
you can get the links to then, uh, you know, to change your registration if you're, if you're an independent and you want to become a Democrat or a Republican, or you're a Republican, you want to become a Democrat or the other way around. Uh, you can do it online today. But if you don't do it today, you have to take your registration, uh, change of registration to the uh, um, Board of Election office. But today is really important because you, it's the last day you can do it online. That was our, that's our campaign. Betsy Gottbaum, thank you so much for joining me here on WBAI and for also your contribution. I'll make sure you get our mailing address. Please, I promise you, you will get a contribution. I'm now, what am I, a buddy, butter, buddy for WBAI? Thank you so much, Betsy. Okay, bye, Jeff. <clears throat> So I'm opening up the phone lines. We've got about five, six minutes left before I'm going to have to close out the show uh, and remind you about our fun drive because I do want to come back to that. This is very important to me. Sorry if my throat is a little scratchy, folks. Our number to call, 212-209-2877. Excuse me, folks. Number 212-209-2877. You've been listening to me, Jeff Simmons, here on WBAI's Driving Forces. I was just talking to the former New York City public advocate, Betsy Gopam, who's the executive director of the Good Government Group Citizens Union. And before that, I spoke to New York City Council member Brad Lander about several pieces of legislation he's worked on. So you can call us. Give it, uh, I'm curious about your opinion about the, the legislation, if you've been listening to the whole show, if you think this is the right way to go to uh, crack down on red light, uh, traffic violations, and other motor vehicle violations. If you think people need to be able to, uh, if they do this enough times, they need to be able to send to, you know, be sent to some type of a, a program so that you have to sit there and, uh, you know, and be educated on what you should not be doing. Just curious on your thoughts. So I believe we have a call, Reggie. Yeah. Great. Welcome to WBAI. What is your name and what's on your mind? Uh, Darla. Hi, Darla. What's on my mind is uh, it's good about the vehicular um, law that's going to be going into effect. But um, also, I always think those people should be convicted of murder, I guess, since it's not premeditated. It's manslaughter. But, uh, you know, I mean, if they thought they were going to go to jail for murder, you know, that would be a big thing. So that's my only that's something I've been thinking about for a very, very long time. And thanks so much. Darla, thank you so much for giving us a call today. Okay, bye. Thanks. So I believe we have another call. Welcome. No, we don't? Yeah, yeah. Yes, we do. Welcome to WBAI. What's your name and what is on your mind? Hi, welcome. Hi, welcome. Hi, yes. Well, I, I think um, the... Uh, the new initiative is actually pretty good, but I think they need to go a little bit further. Uh, I'm a driver, and I see every day uh, where cars are uh, running stop signs. I think that is actually um, pretty <laughs> it, – it, it, it's, it's reached epidemic proportions where – uh, you know, cars are, are actually running stop signs and stop lights. So I think they need to start there. And, and you raise a good point. I mean, I live in a neighborhood where not even just the cars, but I'm also seeing all the bicyclists blow through all the stop signs. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's actually, uh, I, I think it's pretty, it's epidemic. And um, uh, it, 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 it is, I think if they start there, um you know, the rest will follow. Great. Well, thank you so much. Thank you so much for giving us a call today. The, the number to call, 212-209-2877. I've just got a few minutes left. Would love to hear your opinion all about the legislation that Brad Lander talked about. But if you also want to weigh in how you felt about the New Hampshire New Hampshire primary this week or uh, what I kind of talked about at the beginning with the coronavirus and the impact it's having on business and some of our communities like Chinatown and Flushing. Uh, I'm really curious what you think about that, if you think the city's doing enough, if you think people are overreacting, or if you think that the city should be stepping up its game somehow, even though we have not had any confirmed incidents of coronavirus here in New York City. The number, 212-209-2877. 
the other measure that Councilman Lander talked about, which was interesting, and if you get a chance and you go to, I believe it was on his Twitter feed, and I, it might have been on the city council's Twitter feed, you'll see that this room was packed this afternoon. The legislation uh, prohibiting fast food employers from firing workers without just cause and requiring them to uh, use seniority to determine which employees uh, to displace during layoffs due to economic uh, reasons. This is legislation I want to keep following because uh, I have been with some organizations when they've been uh, on the front lines of the fight for 15. So it feels like this is a natural oak outgrowth. There were a number of issues uh, to protect fast food employees uh, that were being discussed. And, and these are some of the other ones that I think we're going to hear more about. Uh, we have another caller on the line. Welcome to WBAI. What's your name and what's on your mind? Hi, uh, Roger from Bergen County. Just a uh, comment on the, the way the media is treating the, uh, the New Hampshire primary and yes. uh, also the Iowa caucuses with respect to Senator Sanders. It's like they're really trying to marginalize the guy. They, I, I don't know whether it's uh, a fear factor or uh, the DNC is just pushing uh, an alternate and, and trying to get a brokered convention. It's so interesting because I've read a variety of pieces, you know, not just I traditionally read the New York Times, but in this case, I've read multiple outlets. And I did read one about how Bernie Sanders, I forget which platform it was that I read, was talking about how they think he is going to go all the way, that he is showing that momentum right now. But it also depends on which outlets you read. I'm curious, which ones you think are showing their bias in this case? Well, you know, the New York Times, I consider that like uh, the old Soviets considered Pravda. It's like, uh, you know, an organ of the state. So, that, you know, and of all things, I just happened to be tuning in, tuning around the dial. Tucker Carlson had a, a great thing. He just, he just totally showed the bias that like MSNBC, CNN, the Times, you know, all the headlines are like Clovacar uh, and Buttigieg combined would beat Sanders. Bizarre stuff, really bizarre. Wow, it's amazing. Of course, it's you know it's going to continue. But my piece of advice for everyone is: don't just read or watch one outlet. Go to a variety. That's how you form your best opinion because you're seeing the diverse uh, range of coverage. Thank you so much for calling in. I'm going to have to start wrapping up the show today. Uh, I do want to thank my guests today: New York City Council Member Brad Lander and also Citizens Union Executive Director Betsy Gottbaum. I also want to thank our, our callers, uh, Darla and Ron and the other gentleman whose name I, I missed for calling in, our devoted BAI listeners. Thank you so much for supporting WBAI and calling in with your opinions. Uh, you know, again, maybe you've been listening to BAI for a while. Maybe you are, are new to WBAI, but for for those who tune in to listen to all of our programming you 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 tune to this station because you want non-commercial non-corporate progressive radio you want a diverse array uh, of voices. So this show largely driving forces is largely a, a news show. Uh, I want to give people an opportunity to talk about whatever they're up to legislatively often, or if it's about a policy, but if you disagree with it, I do want you to call. I want to hear the, the diversity of opinions. Uh, I want to thank you for those who uh, may have heard the uh, information about the pledge drive today. One more time, just want to give you that number because it, it, I do want to see if I can get three BAI buddies before the end of the show. 516-620-3602. Uh, you can make a sustaining contribution, just a 10 20 $30, even more uh, contribution every month goes right on your credit card. You can also just go online. It's as easy as that. Go to give2wbai.org, or you can just be old school like Betsy Gottbaum said she's going to be, and just send us a check to Pacifica-WBAI 388 Atlantic Avenue in Brooklyn, 11217. I'll make sure I post this on our Facebook page. Again, I want to thank you so much for tuning in uh, this afternoon. City Watch, my other show, will not be on this Sunday. I'm going to just take the weekend off, but I will be back with you next week, and also I'll be announcing who my co-host is going to be on City Watch. That's Sundays at 6 uh, next week as well. Some very fantastic news. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please stay tuned for the evening news with Paul DiRienzo.